The shadows of storm and night. The mysteries of life and light. From unearthly peculiarities, celestial and divine, to apparitions and transcendental signs. You're listening to To The Spirit Podcast. Hi, friends, and welcome to The Spirit. I'm your host, Beck. Today, I have a special co-host, but before I introduce him, I want to ask our listeners if they would send out some prayers for our co-hostess with the mostess, Steph. Unfortunately, in a routine surgery, Steph lost her dog yesterday, and so she couldn't be with us. So I'm asking listeners to send your thoughts and prayers out to Steph and her dog, Snoopy. And if you'd like to send Steph an email, it would be at tothespiritpod at gmail.com. I am happy today, though, that I do have a wonderful guy coming in to co-host with me, and that would be Jason. Hi, Jay. Hello, everybody. How's the weather treating you? Yeah. Rain or shine, I guess we're still stuck in the house, right? Yeah, that's true. I, I didn't know if you guys are getting hit with winter blizzards or what's going on. Oh, we are, and I love it. In New York City, you rarely get snow that sticks to the ground, but it's been sticking to the ground insanely, so... So it's beautiful to look out the window, but a bitch to go to the grocery store in. (laughs) Yeah, it's nice to look out the window and it looks like the shining. (laughs) Yeah. You need one of those uh, snow cats to get around? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So today we wanted to do a show for one of our listeners' requests. And this was a little hard because Jason and myself are not biblical scholars, nor are we religious scholars. I, I think... Jay, you were an altar boy, but that's as close as we're getting, right? Yeah, and I got fired, so, you know. Oh, boy. Yeah, and Steph probably would have been the ringer for this one, but we're doing our best for our listeners to try to bring you guys new information. And actually, it was kind of cool because I knew nothing about the Torah Code. I knew nothing about the Bible Code, but looking into it was very fascinating. And so hopefully those of you that are new to this information might find it fascinating. Let's jump into it. Gee, have you heard of the Bible Code? I've heard of it. You know, there's a period around Y2K and 9-11 where just, you know, everything was going crazy in terms of prophecy, like, you know, trying to find as much information on it. And I remember this coming along, the Bible Code, the Torah Code. And um, yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with it a bit. Michael Drosnan wrote a book called The Bible Code in the 90s, and I don't believe he's with us anymore. I do know a lot of rabbis have been researching this. So a lot of the information I've gleaned has been from mostly from the Torah. So let's talk about what this is. It has to do with the books, the five books of the Old Testament. What they are saying is that these contain codes, which we don't know where they came from. We're told that the book was received on Mount Sinai in Egypt. And what's interesting is it was received as a single document, a single continuous output of information with no spaces. What's also very interesting is there's math involved, Heisenberg's uncertainty principles. So what they are saying is in the book of Genesis, for instance, if you count in every 50 letters, it spells out Torah. Very interesting. And in each book, like Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, They all have different spacing in between. Now, this still sounds a little confusing, but every single alphabet on this earth, ancient and modern, have a mysterious number associated with a letter. We don't know where it comes from. 
the Hebrew alphabet in the Torah continues streams of numbers that computers can search through to form these prophecies. It wasn't until the computer came around that they were able to start inputting this information. And it's quite interesting because when it comes up, it looks like almost like crossword puzzles. So there's 304,805 numbers. There's 64 rows, 4,772 numbers in each row, almost like it's a living code. The Torah is a very stable document. And what that means is when anybody writes anything and they take it from the Torah, it has to be written word for word. They're very strict about that. Mm -hmm. The Bible is more up for interpretation. There has been more than likely things that have been changed, but because the Torah is so stable, they can do these ELS searches, which is which are equidistant lateral searches or also known as skip code. Everyone's name and information is in there. Where you live, where you were born, when you'll die, how old your parents are. They haven't completely solved it. There's fragments and pieces. And it's not designed to predict the future. It's designed to tell us the consequences of our choices or the potentials. So the words tell a story. The mathematics tell another story on a deeper level. Whenever the code tells us something frightening as a potential outcome, Next to that frightening possibility, there's always a phrase that's of hope. And that phrase is, will you change it? And it's always, will you change it? Which is really cool, which means the future isn't set in stone. It means that we can actually make a change and change that path or that outcome. And that's a lot like psychic abilities. When you go and sit down with a psychic and they tell you, you know, I see this happening in your future, you can veer left or right and change that outcome. Free will determines how we go into the future. We're going to be talking about Nostradamus. And at the end of his book, The Centuries, he said the same exact thing, that predicting the future is really difficult because there's human free will. And uh, I guess it's like Terminator. Fate is what we make. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's cool to know that even though we would like exact prophecies of things because we're just, you know, so worried about the future, it's good to know that there probably is a human free will. Absolutely. That's one of God's gifts that he gave to us is that of free will. And that can come in handy when it's time to shift this paradigm that we're going into. And that'll tie into a lot of the prophecies that we're going to talk about too later so they put in queries into this. So this is all done through computer program, right? So they'll put in a query about a topic. And below that query, it has words that relate to that topic. For example, the Holocaust was in the Torah code, even though this was written 3,000 years ago. World War II, the assassination of Kennedy. Interestingly, the election of Obama is in the codes. There's a, a photograph of Obama standing in front of the Torah looking for himself in those codings. 9-11, when they queried 9-11, the words that came in around it were twin towers, it knocked down twice, airplane. The code is sealed to the end of time, which we are now in the end of a cycle. And it says in the Torah code, it says to shut up the words and seal the book until the end of time. And computer is right next to that in the Torah coding. 
no, it doesn't mean necessarily that we're in the end times, although many of us feel that way. It feels kind of apocalyptic lately. Yeah. But it could mean the end of a cycle, such as the Mayan calendar. Now, this is, again, going to tie into prophecy because throughout how many years and years have we heard, it's the end of the world. <laughs> Every couple of years. Yeah. yeah, it's just like, okay, it is the end of the world for someone every day. So the Torah code is a, a manual or a map of possibilities within time. We are a part of that time. A little bit more about the Torah code. The end of the world could be around the corner. This is according to sensational claims of a rabbi studying what he alleges to be the hidden code in the Bible that predicted the coronavirus outbreak after warnings against things you should not eat appearing in the code. Now, there have been historical events also, as we spoke about earlier, including the election of U.S. President Donald Trump. Christianity and Judaism share the first five books of the Bible, which also make up the Torah, known as the five books of Moses, which we covered. And a number of rabbis and priests and mathematicians and professors have claimed within the original Hebrew versions of these sacred texts are secret messages left by God. This rabbi in particular, Rabbi Glazerson, he revealed an excerpt from the book of Leviticus that spoke about the importance of not eating certain meats that are impure. He talks a little bit about bats. Now, I find this interesting because I personally don't believe that this disease, the coronavirus, came from bats. What about you, Jay? What do you think about that? It has too many funny characteristics that aren't indicative of the natural progression of a virus. So exactly. And talking with one of my good friends, one of the people who were coming up with the vaccine, and he just kept telling me, man, this is so weird how this virus is acting. I guess anything's possible. And I guess it's also possible that we mess around with nature too much. It's like Jurassic Park, you can't control and mess with nature because it'll eventually come back to get you. I agree. In his decoding, he also prophesied the end of the world in 2021. Here we go again. <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to worry about that. Another one? Okay, Another this is the one. next one we have to worry about. <laughs> right. 2020 was pretty bad, but we have predictions to talk about this. Mm -hmm. So let's go into some of the prophecies and predictions. Ooh, that, let's yeah. do it. St. Malachi was an Irish saint. He lived from 1094 to 1148. And the story is he went on a pilgrimage to the Vatican. And there he fell into a trance. And in a vision, God gave him in Latin, you know, one line Latin phrases, the next 111 popes before the end times. It wasn't released until it got leaked to the printing press. When the printing press came into fruition in 1440, uh, so about three centuries later. It was noted for being scarily accurate. So let's get into let's get into some of the popes that are of recent memory. 1958, the 107th Pope, John the 23rd. And what St. Malachi wrote for him was Pastor et Notum, which means priest and sailor. And Pope John was the patriarch of Venice before he became Pope. Right. So that's the little connection there. The 108th Pope, Paul the Sixth, Malachi wrote. Flos florum, which means flower among flowers. Now, on his coat of arms is a lily among a patch of lilies. Let's move up to the, the Pope that I grew up with, that I remember being around you know, since I was a kid, Pope John Paul II. And he's the 110th Pope out of 111. And his Latin phrase is, 
De Labori Solis, which is the sun's labor or eclipse. Now, Pope John Paul is the only pope to be born on an eclipse and to be entombed on an eclipse. Well, freaky, right? That's weird, yeah. That one's pretty, that one, uh, you, you know, looking at that one, that's pretty, pretty right on. Now it takes us to the final pope, the 111th pope, and he is described as Gloria Olive, and that's the glory of the olive. The new pope picked the name Benedict XVI, and the name represents a long line of the Benedictine order. And the symbol of that order is the olive. So that's the list. But guess what? There's a bonus. After the list of 111 popes, St. Malachi put out a final statement, which is really kind of crazy. I Because it's so blunt at the end. I'm like, whoa, okay. So his final statement was, During the final persecution, the seat of the Roman church will be occupied by Peter the Roman. He will feed the sheep in many tribulations and after which the seven-hilled city will be destroyed, and the terrible judge will judge his people. The end. (laughs) Well, that is freaky, man. He put in the end. (laughs) (laughs) Like, the end as in a storybook or the end of humanity? That's it. That's it. Okay, so here's the thing. He actually named another sitting pope when all this stuff goes down, Peter the Roman. I've been following this, you know, a little bit here or there. So basically, Peter the Roman is Italian. So when they were going to pick the next pope, I was just thinking, and I know everybody who was following us is thinking, don't pick an Italian, okay? (laughs) Yeah. Don't pick an Italian, pick somebody else, whatever. So the current pope, Pope Francis, is from Argentina. Yeah, I thought he was like Brazilian or something, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I'm thinking, okay, that's great. But he has an Italian name. And his lineage is Italian. His whole family's from Italy. They just moved there, and he just happened to grow up and be born in Argentina. So he is Italian. He's not Peter, right? Right. Or is he? I I don't know. Yeah. They changed their names. That's a little weird to me, too. I know nothing of this other than I, I know that they changed their names. Yeah. Yeah, they changed their names. His real name is Jorge Mario Bergoglio. Really? Yeah. Jorge? Yeah. Okay, that's a big departure. Yeah, his parents were from uh, a region in northern Italy. He was born in Buenos Aires. Buenos uh, Buenos Aires. Buenos Aires? Aires. Yeah, Buenos Aires. (laughs) Did did we go to high school? (laughs) You're doing much better than me. I'm like saying Brazil and you're saying Argentina. We can't pronounce Buenos Aires. (laughs) Buenos Aires in Argentina. But I will say as a side note, to give a little hope to everybody, before the printing press came out, the prophecies of the popes were scarily accurate. And then the ones after this uh, manuscript got printed, the prophecies are hit or miss. They're very up and down. And they're not as on point as the ones before 1440. So I think Nostradamus is pretty hit or miss myself as well, though. Yeah, yeah. And there and there could be reasons for that because he wrote a book, The Centuries, and he, he wrote them all in order, threw them up in the air, and then just put them all on pages. So they're out of order. One thing you don't think about if he did have any foresight into the future was he had to describe future events and future technology with the oratory that he had back then. You know what I mean? 
Very so true. He, he couldn't say um, watching people in a submarine with nuclear missiles. He described airplanes as like flying through the sky and the pig people were inside. And people interpret that as, you know, when you look at a fighter pilot and they have the mask on, they look kind of like a pig. Yeah. This yeah. Is stuff like that. So let's go into some predictions of Nostradamus for this year. And let's see what he had to say here. Michel de Nostradamus. Now we know 2020. Woo, we had the pandemic. Well, we still have the pandemic bringing us all to our knees. And we had record-breaking wildfires in the Americas and Australia. And one of the most intense, controversial U.S. elections in recent history. But what awaits us in 2021? Oh, boy. I'm sure it's all great news. So when were you first introduced to Nostradamus back? I think it was in the 90s. Was it with the Man Who Saw Tomorrow or was it something else? Yep, Man Who Saw Tomorrow. And then I ended up renting. I just went on this Nostradamus kick and started renting VHS tapes and watching them. Yeah. And it was like watching a car wreck. You wanted to turn away, but you had this adrenaline and you needed to know. And somehow there was some kind of fear porn that came out of that like the doom and gloom yeah predictions it was like oh we're all gonna die and there's gonna be a missile coming at us any day as the bird flies across the sky and so much of it was left up for interpretation right well yeah fear sells just like in the news everything's scary it's not hey this person saved 20 people today you know that doesn't get your attention but i was at the dinner table and on the counter was a little black and white tv and we were watching The Man Who Saw Tomorrow, and it came to the future. And they show, like, this dude pointing at the screen and these missiles launching. And they show, like, the missile coming at New York City. And I'm like, yep. yeah. And my dad goes, don't <laughs> worry. That's way into the future. Don't worry. Which, it means we're here now. But let's give everybody a little bit of backstory on Nostradamus. I, I've read plenty of books on him. And I have, like you, I watched a lot of tapes and have a bunch of stuff. He was knocking around in 1503. And he died in 1566. He was born in southern France. At an early age, his grandfather recognized that he had the strong foresight and taught him the secret ways of the mystical arts, right? This is a little detail I didn't really know until recently. What I don't think people know is that before he was a prophetic visionary, he was quite famous for being a, a, a really stellar doctor. The year he got his medical license, the plague was ravaging his, his home in southern France and Europe. And he traveled the continent to help people. And he always seemed to have the right medicine, the right concoctions. He really practiced cleanliness and sterilization as a key factor in, in battling uh, the plague. And he didn't get sick. And the word spread. And next thing you know, kings and queens are calling him up. So he was being sought by royalty for um, his great you know, knowledge as a doctor. But and then he started slipping in predictions here or there. One of his earliest predictions was that there was going to be a king who was going to die in a joust. And in 1559, Henry II, the king of France at the time, was hosting a dual marriage between his sister and his daughter. And, you know, like all guys do, even I try sometimes in my middle age, you want to show off, you know. So he he accepted a joust with a younger Count of Montgomery, who was a war veteran. He was very skilled at jousting. And... Nostradamus said, The young lion shall overcome the old one on the field of war in a single combat. He will put out his eyes in a cage of gold. He will then die a cruel death. Now, upon hearing this, everybody was begging King Henry, you know, not to do this, right? But he he's the king. He can do what he wants. 
Right. He, th- he throws on his gold armor. He's going to do a single joust with blunted tips so nobody can get hurt for protection. They do their joust, and when their lances connect, the Count's splinters off, and it impales the king through the eye slit of his gold helmet Whoa. and goes into his brain. He lingers on for 10 days, like extreme agony, and then the king finally dies. And the last little detail is on their shields, on both of their shields was an embossed lion. So that hit and everybody went, whoa, who is this dude? You know, and they're, they're going, they're seeking him out for if their crop is going to be okay this year and this and that. But the problem is, as you become known for prophecy back in those times, it's dangerous. And he became more of a hermit because of the, you know, the church was the ruler back then. And you could be prosecuted, you could be put to death because the fear was only witches and, and demons can see the future. So, right. yeah, so he went into hiding. He started making prophecies. He was into numerology, the Kabbalah, all kinds of uh, divination. There's not much known on his appearance or his methods, but we do know that he meditated on a water-filled black bowl for visions. And from there, he wrote the centuries in four-line quatrains. There's about a thousand of them, and they're in no particular order. And it's in a mixture of languages why it's so hard to interpret. So there's Latin, there's French, and there's Greek, to name a few. He said there's going to be three antichrists, and the first one is going to be Napoleon. And from Napoleon, he wrote, An emperor will be born near Italy. He will cost his empire dearly. He will be found less a prince than a butcher. From a simple soldier, he will attain the empire. All that's true. Napoleon was born near Italy. He was a simple soldier. He worked his way up. He was known for being cruel and not so smart. There's a number of verses on the rise and fall. And Nostradamus even guessed that Napoleon would rule for 14 years. And that's absolutely true. And he also named that he would be exiled to an island called Alba, which happened. So that, that's what he had to say about Napoleon. Now with Hitler, a little more startling. If you look up the quatrains on Hitler, I've read them all. They're, they're pretty, pretty accurate. So he referred to him as Hister. Not Hitler, but Hister. But the interesting thing is Hitler was born near the Danube River, which is now named the Hister River. From Austria will be born a child who will seduce a great many people with his tongue. He also described him as villainous, wicked, infamous, and that he would be the captain of the crooked cross of iron, which is really crazy. He talks about his rise, his fall, the Poland invasion, the death camps, and ultimately his defeat in Russia. Uh, in the wintertime, and then how the Allies overtake Berlin and uh, the European front. There's a lot on Hitler, and it's it's pretty uncanny, that section. Out of all the sections, I think the Hitler World War II stuff seems the most accurate. Over 70% of his prophecies regarding Hitler and the Second World War turned out to be accurate. That is a big hit rate right there. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of it too, so that makes it even more impressive, I think. So let's talk about what's to come. 
There's a third Antichrist, but he describes him as a man of, of the white turban from Persia, which is now Iran. And he will bring terror, never more horror scene, using weapons that he couldn't even describe. That's what we kind of have on the third Antichrist. There are other things he talked about that I found very interesting. The atom bomb. And with the atom bomb, he said, Two cities, there will be a scourge, the likes of which have never been seen. So that's a little, little creepy. And the moon landing, he said, Man will be placing his feet on alien soil in the corner of Luna. Which is known as the moon. Luna equals moon. Uh, he predicted the Kennedy assassination, the Challenger tragedy, and then 9-11, which when 9-11 happened, there was all these sort of false interpretations of what Nostradamus said, because I'd read the actual quatrains, and then there were things like the twin rocks shall fall and blah, blah, blah. And that, he never mentioned twin or rocks or falling or anything like that, or actually the word airplane. What he did say is, from the sky will come the great king of terror. Fire and quaking will befall the great new city. So new city, New York City, from the sky, great king of terror. I mean, Osama bin Laden, I don't think anybody's overtaken his, you know, moniker as the great king of terror. The beginning of World War III is closely related to the appearance of a UFO in the sky. Now, he accurately predicted the collapse of the communist system in Eastern Europe and the collapse of USSR. He predicted that not only humans would speak the same language, but they would be able to communicate with aliens without problems, with the mm. help of a universal translator. I don't think that's too far off. I mean, we already have translators that people can wear around their necks when they travel. Right. One of uh, Nostradamus's prophecies tells us that people are going to live much longer in the future. An 80-year-old will look like he is 50 years old. And I see that already. I mean, if we look back at our grandparents, man, they looked old when they were 30. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. They look, <laughs> they look like George Burns. You're like, how old are you? Like 28. Yeah. <laughs> A book was found in the National Library in Rome, which is believed to belong to Nostradamus, and it contains his last predictions. It's the lost book. Oh. It was called. And it had been inherited by one of Nostradamus's sons who had, in turn, had given it as a gift to Pope Urban VIII. And the end of the world will take place in the year 2436, according to Nostradamus. But for this year, let's get into what he says. He says, first of all, 2021, we're going to have our first zombie apocalypse. Nice. Zombies. <laughs> Zombies. A Russian scientist will create a biological weapon and produce a virus that can turn humankind into zombies, and we will all be extinct in the near future. Mm. Woo. No thanks. No thanks. Yeah. Jason and I used to talk back in the day about defeating zombies. Yeah. And sounds like we might have our chance to go at it. <laughs> well, nobody's more prepared. Nostradamus predicted Bitcoin. Don't know if you know that. No. Wow. Uh, in his famous quatrains, he tells us that people will refuse to pay taxes to the king. With the help of Bitcoin, many ordinary people will become rich. Thus, wealth will be transferred from the rich to the poor. Bitcoin right now is at like $48,000, guys. So mm. if you own some Bitcoin, a famine of biblical proportions. Nostradamus predicted the first signs at the end of the world would be famine earthquakes oh geez different illnesses and epidemics which are already happening and more frequently 
We have the coronavirus pandemic from 2020, and that's going to affect the world's population. Um, yeah, we're in it. We're in the throes, I think. Number four is the, the Muslims will lead the world. The camel is the Arab population that lives all over Europe, especially in France and Germany, or the wave of immigrants that is currently at the door of our continent, because he used the great camel. Uh, number five, solar storms. 2021 is going to be quite a significant year in terms of major global events and great solar storms will take place, which could cause some major damage to the earth, which we also know that causes damage to our electronics. Mm. A comet will hit the earth or it will come very close to Terra. And this event will cause earthquakes and other natural disasters. And that's coming from the quatrain in the sky. One sees fire and a long trail of sparks. I've heard now, that one. Yeah. I, I think we're overdue for one, aren't we? I think so. Yeah. For, for some kind of cataclysmic event, you know, cleansing. NASA announced that a huge asteroid is likely to hit the earth in the next years after the American agency emits alerts daily. Only this time, it's something more serious. An asteroid called 2009 KF-1 has chances to hit the Earth coming on May 6th of 2021. Spoken Enjoy it now, guys. Yeah. yeah. A devastating earthquake will destroy California. Well, that's been in the works for a while. And according to the interpretation of the quatrain written by Nostradamus, an extremely powerful seismic activity will destroy California in 2021. He predicts that a great earthquake will hit the new world, the Western lands, and California mm -hmm. is the logical place where it might happen. And according to the astrologers, Mercury and Sagittarius, Saturn fading, the following date when the planets Mars and Saturn will be in this position and the sky will be on November 25th of 2021. Mm. So that's when the earthquake's coming. And the American soldiers will have brain chip implants. The American soldiers will be turned into a kind of cyborgs. Uh, I think uh, Musk is working on stuff with that. Right. But I don't know if he intends it to be used in that manner. But, you know, evil people get a hold of these things. Oh, and yeah. the destruction of the Catholic Church is coming. Pope Francis is apparently going to be assassinated by a shooting during a trip to a European city. At the confluence of two great rivers when the roses bloom. His mm. assassination will cause social unrest and riots in Rome. The Catholic Church will collapse. And the secret information hidden inside the Catholic Church will be given to the general public. And as Jason says, the third Antichrist will be born. And it's not known exactly where he will be born. It is uh, assumed in Serbia or in an Arab state. He will live in an area with dominant situation of corruption, political manipulation, and violence. There will be protests and social unrest and political overthrows orchestrated by him and colder climate countries will facilitate to access his power, probably Russia. Uh, religious fanatics and apocalyptic false prophets will consider him a religious leader and become his followers. And the Antichrist will study Hitler's actions to prevent his mistakes. And Nostradamus also predicts the appearance of a new sect. Nothing says that this is really the sect of the Antichrist except for the number 6-66 of the quatrain. Mm. This is the last one, and that is an ice age is coming. Uh, a new ice age will begin in 2021, and the earth will freeze. Boy, we are screwed from all ends here. You know what? <laughs> Beck and I were researching this, and at a certain point I go, why didn't all the prophets just get together? And we go, so what's going to happen, guys? bestow to us the information and they just draw a circle with some continents on it which would be earth and then they take a marker and go eh, eh, 
and put an X on it. <laughs> that's that's so it. True. That's all. That's the prediction. Just X out the Earth, and that would, you know. Elon, you better get your shit together and get everything up in Mars going. Otherwise, uh, we're done for in 2021. We got asteroids, earthquakes, the zombie. We have everything. We're we're having a mini ice age. The Earth and the air is going to freeze at the very great sea. Uh huh. It's going to be like uh, that movie, uh, Day After Tomorrow. Day After or the- Tomorrow, something like yeah. that. Yeah, everything freezes, yeah. Yeah, in conclusion, the prophet here, he, he saw distant things through natural knowledge of all creatures, and it can happen that the prophet bringing about the perfect light of prophecy may manifest things, both human and divine. While I'm talking about Nostradamus, I yep. should quickly just give a shout out to France. That's the new country that is now listening to us. We're up to 22 countries globally. Oh, welcome. And so, bonjour, France. Bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> Principesas and princes. <laughs> and all the books and reading the quatrains. Like, let's, I don't, can't remember the exact number right now. Let's just say it's 2357, okay? That's just how far he could see into the future. It doesn't necessarily mean it's the end. That's just where his power of foresight stopped. Like he couldn't go anymore. Right. Um, but let's cap the Nostradamus by some of his final personal predictions. So he predicted his own death. He was dying. He was on, on his deathbed. And uh, he told his son, by morning, I will be no longer. And that's what happened. Now, fast forward 200 years. It's 1791, and there is this drunk grave robber going around, and he's searching for Nostradamus's grave because the rumor is if you drink wine from his skull, you will get his powers. So this grave robber digs up his, his coffin, opens it up, and he's really freaked out because there's a plaque around Nostradamus's neck with a chain that reads May 1791, which is what it was. And the rumor of what Nostradamus said about anybody disturbing his grave is anybody that messes with his grave would die. So this grave robber starts drinking out of the skull of Nostradamus and he's struck in the back by a bullet, a stray bullet. There was a revolution happening at the time in France in the surrounding woods where was a lot of fighting going on and a stray bullet hit the guy, the grave robber and killed him. That's insane. Yeah. Can you imagine <laughs> opening up his coffin and it says May 1791 and you know what he said before, do not disturb my grave. I would have ran out of there so fast. Yeah, I wouldn't be drinking from the skull. No. <laughs> what kind of say? He deserved it. Yeah, he did. What a bad grave robber. Besides Nostradamus, we have some kind of futuristic prediction type of things going on and that would be something along the lines of web bots what do you know about web bots web bots are a computer program that hopes to tap into the collective conscious through the internet by recognizing certain word frequencies or keywords that are being used a lot at a certain time you know and they're hoping to tap into the shifts in emotional tension just the feelings that people were getting at the time and what they were searching for. That it, collective conscious. Right. It was originally used to predict the stock market. So that that's how they, they got going. But once 9-11 hit, they claimed that they were getting a ton of hits on things like towers, planes, terror, New York. And in June of 2001, 
the readout from the WebBot program stated that within the next 60 to 90 days, there would be a catastrophic event. And then 9-11 happened. They also claimed to predict the Columbia disaster, Hurricane Katrina, the blackout of 2003, and the creators would be on certain programs. They would talk about what's coming up. And, and, and there were just moments where I was following the web bots and they would have the same type of readout, like 9-11, like, oh, within the next 60 days, something's going to happen because we're getting all this crazy language. And it scared the crap out of me. So I remember one point being like, should I tell my girl that we should move out of the city? And But nothing ever happened. And they weren't taken as seriously because there's so much inaccuracy and it's really, really vague. And they had a lot of misses. Like they missed about 2012, um, that there was going to be a catastrophe in December, that the U.S. dollar collapsed in 2011, that Israel would bomb Iran during the Obama administration. So there were so many misses after the fact that they started being taken less seriously. You know, it's something to think about. But then again, we keep saying, even Nostradamus, all prophecy is very difficult because of human free will. So there's always going to be this vagueness. And I think that's the purpose. I, I don't think God would, if there is a God, would want us to know the exact future. And I also don't think God would want to give us definitive proof that there is life after death. I think that's the great mystery. I think that's as human beings, we strive to obtain these uh, answers to these mysteries to prove these things. Right. Fascinating. If, if you knew that there was absolutely life after death, people would be killing themselves. No problem. Like they, this, they wouldn't even try to fight in life. You have to have that uncertainty. Well, my angle is because I, have had experiences with the dead. Mm -hmm. I know that there is another place. Christians want to call it heaven. It can be another dimension. I know that we're energy and that the energy never dies. Yeah. So the soul does live on. I find comfort in that. But I think also religion instilled something in people that is based in fear right. of taking their own lives and going to hell. That That's uh, exactly true. Yep. You yeah, cannot, so, that's the mortal sin of all sins. You can kill people and go to heaven, but you cannot take your own life. We've got the Torah code, the Bible code. We've got Nostradamus. We've got psychics that are predicting different things. Saint Malachi. Saint Malachi. And then we've got idiocracy. Yeah, we have idiocracy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's pretty predictive and it's coming into fruition. I can't know? even believe it, how fast it's happening. I can't believe it. I look around and I can't believe it either. I'm waiting for the day that we're watering our crops <laughs> with Gatorade. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so in the world of idiocracy and the, the movie's future, Costco is this giant, all-encompassing, all-engulfing entity where you could shop, you can get a, a degree, you know, so... Basically, they're saying in the future, a corporation is it's going to boil down to one corporation that's engulfed everything. And <coughs> Amazon. <coughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> there'll be a Starbucks on every corner. The intelligence rate of humans will be drastic. It, it, it already seems to be going down. The kids nowadays can't write in cursive. Or um, read cursive for or, that matter. Or read cursive. They can't even read a clock on a wall, like an analog clock. The words are getting shortened, like Newspeak in 1984. There's validity in, in, in doing whatever you want in life, right? But in the world of idiocracy, there are these moronic people who are just 
spouting out kids, you know, 10 at a time. And then the flip side of that, there are these two people who are career oriented and they're struggling if they want to bring kids into this world. And then next, you know, the world gets overpopulated by all these dummies who can't speak the language, who don't have empathy, can't work anything. And I think that's all starting to happen. Technology has dumbed us all down. You can use technology in a positive way. I don't think kids are using the technology nowadays like we used encyclopedias in our day. Right. Gleaning anything from it. It's all social media and real like Tide Pod eating (laughs) type stuff. (laughs) And in the future of Idiocracy, the number one movie is called Ass. And it's just a butt on the screen. And I'm flipping through the channels and it's like, Dr. Pimple Popper, and this is idiocracy, man. It's just, it is. There will be a movie called Ass, and people will laugh at it. I'm just hoping that there's enough of us to make this shift and that change because we can change things. And I think if people start waking up and realizing, like, we can't get much lower than we are now. Right. So let's try to go up. I think the Twilight Zone is the best visual medium, art form, art piece movies tv whatever so there you know i watched this last night again and there's an episode called nick of time and william shatner's in it and basically it's about this young up-and-coming wall street guy who him and his wife are driving through a town and their car breaks down so they go into a diner and have some sandwiches and stuff and it's a weird sandwich it's lettuce and tomato on wheat bread which is <laughs> and the guy's like we have fried chicken and they're like no nah, no nah, nah. anyway there's a napkin dispenser with a little devil bobblehead on it and you can put a a penny in and you can ask it a yes and no question and one the first question uh, that william shatner's character asks is will i get a raise he puts the penny in pulls out a little paper it is certain he calls up he got the raise now this is a guy that carries a four-leaf clover around he carries a keychain with four-leaf clover and a rabbit's foot And it gets to the point where he just keeps going back to the diner and asking it questions. And his wife keeps saying, you are the determining factor. And she's like, you either leave with me now or I'm leaving without you. And he leaves with his wife and he says, you know, you know what? This is all silly. And then as they leave, this other couple comes in looking all haggard and they sit at William Shatner's booth and they have tons of pennies and they're like, are we going to be okay? And they're looking at the slip and they're like, oh. They're seduced and they're already gone with this machine. So basically what I'm getting at is in Nick of Time, the writer was just pointing out that whether or not there is magic at work, the effect is the same. A loss of free will and independence of action is dangerous. You have to take the future into your own hands and that it can be changed and not as certain. So there is a danger, in, in, and I certainly felt it too. You know, when 9-11 happened, web bots are around. I'm researching Nostradamus. At a certain point, I think you have to move on with your life and create your own future and not worry too much or have some drinks. Listeners, I want to thank you for all your support. Please rate and review us. Leave us a comment, a message, a story at tothespiritpod at gmail.com. Again, thanks, Jay, for being my co-host my with the most absolute today. absolute pleasure to scare everybody's pants off with prophecies. The most accurate future predictions you're ever going to get are from The Simpsons. Oh, Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye-bye. To the spirit podcast. Supernatural science. In the I'm ghost. Psychic. Mystic. Spirit. Divine source. Heaven. 
the dead. It's magic. 